You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Sleep problems may be a pathway to future substance abuse. Substance abuse and subsequent withdrawal can lead to sleep disturbances. How do you evaluate the substance abuser that also has sleep problems? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Deirdre Conroy. Dr. Conroy is a Clinical Assistant Professor of Psychiatry at the University of Michigan. Welcome to ReachMD, Deirdre. Thank you. Is substance abuse the only cause of insomnia in these patients that have addictions? Not necessarily. It certainly can be one contributing factor, but there are other factors such as pre-existing medical conditions or psychiatric conditions that could predate the insomnia related to the substance abuse. So it's important to kind of separate those two and work with your patient to understand where the substance abuse came in and how that related to the sleep problems related to the substance. So they could have any kind of flavor of insomnia just because they have addictions. We can't assume it's related to that. Exactly. And it's kind of easy to make that connection. Well, if the patient's abusing alcohol, then that alcohol is causing the insomnia. But if, for example, the patient has always had poor sleep ever since they were a child and then perhaps drink to self-medicate, then then that person may be in a different category. Now, do the sleep disturbances that you see vary according to the substance that the patient abuses? Yes, they do. And it depends on whether they're actively using the substance or whether they're in withdrawal from the substance. So, for example, if a patient has been addicted to stimulants, they will obviously complain of insomnia or difficulty falling or staying asleep. But any kind of sedatives, they may have more sleepiness. Alcohol can go both ways. You may have patients using alcohol to help them sleep, and it might help them fall asleep, but contribute to awakenings in the second half of the night as the alcohol is metabolized. So those people, while using alcohol, may actually complain of both, difficulty falling asleep without the alcohol, and then even after drinking, poor quality sleep. Well, let's focus on the alcoholic since that's the most common thing most of us see in our practice in terms of substance abuse. How commonly do you see alcoholics present with a sleep disturbance? It's actually very common, and a few studies have looked at this, and the the ranges of percentages of patients complaining of insomnia, those alcohol-dependent patients, range from anywhere from 36 to even 91%. And that 91% was actually a recent somewhat recent finding, and that actually encompassed all kinds of sleep complaints, not only insomnia. So that might include sleep, disordered breathing, periodic leg movements, but nonetheless, it's a very high percentage of people complaining of sleep problems. So a significant, if not substantial, proportion of alcoholics present with the sleep disturbance. How do we know, though, if it's the chicken or the egg? And that's such a good question and one that we are really uh, interested in. Our group has actually come out with some data suggesting that it may be a little bit of both. One of the studies that we did looked at children of alcoholics, and the moms rated their three- to five-year-old children on whether they had sleep difficulties. And those children who were had either trouble sleeping, which is very general, or staying awake during the day were actually more likely to develop early onset drinking or substance use. So it kind of raises the question, does problem sleeping make you more likely to develop a substance use problem down the road? 
or is it that you've been using a substance for so long that some of the, the chemicals in your brain have changed? Because we know that some of the neurotransmitters affected by alcohol are also those involved in sleep. So right now, it's, it's a bit of a mystery, and we're hoping to kind of attack both ends of those, looking at young children and their sleep problems, and then those who have already developed substance use problems. Interesting. Well, and isn't it true, at least in adults, that the most common self-medication for insomnia is alcohol? That's right. That's right. It's very easy. It's, you know, over the counter. They can have some kind of control over it initially when they're starting out, and it can spiral. You can no longer feel sleepy after those two drinks, but then you increase to three and then four, and that's where the problem comes in. Now, you had mentioned sleep-disordered breathing. Is that more common in alcoholics than in a non-drinking population? It is. And again, it's something that can range from if the patient is actively drinking to when they're in withdrawal or former alcohol, and specifically in the example of alcohol-dependent patients. Alcohol is a respiratory suppressant. So if you have a patient who habitually has drinks before bedtime, Studies do show that the likelihood of them having greater sleep-disordered breathing is higher. And secondly, studies have also shown that the patients who have stopped drinking also tend to have more sleep-disordered breathing. It might be different mechanisms going on, but in general, the substance-abusing population, or I should say alcohol specifically, do have more sleep-disordered breathing than non-alcoholic. And how about periodic limb movement disorder? Is that more common as well? That has also been shown to be higher in alcohol-dependent patients who are in recovery. And of course, the periodic limb movement disorder is assessed in a sleep laboratory, and the number of periodic limb movements per hour of sleep appear to be higher in these patients who have a a history of of heavy drinking in their lives. The connections there, the mechanisms of, of why that's happening is still a bit of a mystery. It could relate to the peripheral neuropathy line of thinking, but it's still being researched. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lent, your host, and with me today is Dr. Deirdre Conroy from the University of Michigan. We are discussing sleep disturbances in addicted patients. Deirdre, what do we know about other drugs, say marijuana, that's so commonly used? Do we know much about its connection with sleep disorders? Well, marijuana is an interesting one. With bedtime use of marijuana, there are surprisingly very few studies. Some of the studies have been done in the 70s, so they're kind of dated now, but those tend to suggest more ease of falling asleep. The problem becomes in the withdrawal phase of marijuana, so patients will complain of difficulty falling asleep in marijuana withdrawal, and this is actually both subjectively and objectively when they're in the sleep laboratory. Mm. And what do we know about in terms of marijuana or alcohol, for that matter, how often is insomnia a trigger to relapse where they, they've been clean, but their sleep disturbance lead them back to their drug of choice? It's, it's quite common, actually, and that is one of the observations, one of the addiction psychiatrists that we work with here found that many of the patients that he had that had been using alcohol complained of insomnia, and those particular patients who had the complaint of insomnia were more likely to relapse. And again, we look at both how the patients say they slept and we look at them in the sleep laboratory, and there were a number of different parameters that we looked at, 
in their sleep, including rapid eye movement sleep, how long it takes them to fall asleep, those predicted relapse to alcohol. So it is a very important period when they stop drinking and to look at how they're sleeping to prevent, hopefully, if we were to treat, prevent relapse. Now, you mentioned sleep study. That sounds like that was in a research setting. When would a sleep study in this population be necessary in clinical practice? In general clinical practice, it's important to ask a few questions about how the patient, number one, if, uh, functions during the day. Anybody, number one, who reports falling asleep when they don't intend to, falling asleep at the wheel, in front of the television, those kinds of complaints in combination with a history of snoring, choking, or gasping in sleep may be suggestive of obstructive sleep apnea. So obstructive sleep apnea as well as periodic limb movement disorder when patients may say they kick their legs frequently during the night or their bed partner says they kick, those are primary, considered primary sleep disorders and that would be indication for a sleep study. Generally, difficulty falling asleep or difficulty returning back to sleep suggests more insomnia symptoms, which don't always need a sleep study, though in, in some cases they, they do. So how should a primary care doctor go about evaluating these patients that have history of addiction, either actively or in recovery, when they do complain of poor sleep? The best bet would be a very thorough history. I know primary care physicians and all physicians are, are pressed for time, but it is important to really ask about the sleep and its relationship to the substance. But as I was mentioning, it's important to get the whole picture of what the sleep was like before the substance, how the substance changed, did you sleep better when you're using the substance, and since you stopped, has your sleep been better or worse? And the few questions about sleep disordered breathing and sleepiness during the day are very important questions to address with your patients. Do you happen to have a resource maybe people could look online for what a good sleep history might look like? Yeah, actually, there are a couple of websites. One of the websites is from the National Sleep Foundation, and that website is www.sleepfoundation.org. And that has a nice description of all different types of sleep disorders. What should I look for? It gives examples of sleep diaries, which is a, a very valuable tool for clinicians like myself who monitor insomnia symptoms over time. So it, it provides a lot of those different questionnaires and, and tools that, that a clinician can use. The second one is the American Academy of Sleep Medicine website, and that's www.aasmnet.org. Okay, great. Any last tips for how to manage these patients? Well, I think in addition to getting the sleep study, patients with insomnia can also respond well to any kind of behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy that can be quite effective for these patients. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. We've been speaking with University of Michigan psychologist Dr. Deirdre Conroy about diagnosing insomnia and other sleep disorders in substance-abusing patients. I'm Dr. Leslie Lund. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and downloadable podcasts, visit our website at www.reachmd.com. For comments and questions, or if you have ideas for future topics, please call us toll-free at 888-MD. Thank you for listening.
You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. This is Dr. Mark Nolan Hill. This week we will be speaking with Dr. John Dixon at Monash University Medical School in Melbourne, Australia. We will be talking about gastric banding surgery to treat type 2 diabetes. This is Dr. Jennifer Hsu. This week we'll be speaking with Dr. Jill Grimes, an associate editor for the 5-Minute Clinical Consult textbook. We'll be talking about physical activity for our patients with diabetes. And I'm Dr. Bruce Bloom, inviting you to tune in this week to our special focus on diabetes when my guest will be Dr. Mary Elizabeth Hartnett at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, joining me to discuss the etiology and treatment of diabetic macular edema. Download complete program information, live streaming, on-demand podcasts, and free CME at ReachMD.com. ReachMD, online, on-demand, and on-air at XM160.